are we happy with the way this debate is taking place? And I think most people would say, no, we're not. It's become a wee bit too binary. It's become a wee bit too divisive. We can do this in a better way. So I think the pause enables us to take a bit of a step back, all of us, and actually think, what, what do we want to achieve? That was former independence campaign strategist Stephen Noon, and we'll hear more from him and his thoughts on the next steps for Nicola Sturgeon shortly. Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip, and on this episode I'll be joined by Justin Bowie and Rachel Amory for a closer look at the big stories of the week. There's no getting away from it, the Supreme Court set the pace. On November the 23rd, judges at the highest court in the UK ruled that the Scottish Parliament does not have the power itself to hold a referendum on independence without Westminster's consent. The question, of course, had been referred for clarity because the UK government does not want to permit another referendum along the agreed lines like we had in 2014, when 55% of voters eventually opted to stick with the union. A lot's changed since then, not least the decision to leave the European Union, and it's been... a form of political deadlock really ever since. Uh, Options now available to First Minister Nicola Sturgeon include her controversial one to turn the next general election into a single-issue campaign to get an overall majority, which she would then claim as the basis for negotiating to leave the UK. It's a strategy which is, of course, fraught with difficulty, but it's basically that, or push opinion polls so high for independence that the UK government has no real choice but to say, OK, have a vote. Before 2014, one of the key figures in the background of the Yes to Independence campaign was Stephen Noon, a strategist who worked with Alex Salmond when he led the SNP government. They ultimately failed to convince a majority, but they raised support from a fairly low bar to the pretty much near 50-50 split that continues to hover around today. Justin Bowie spoke to Stephen the day after the court judgment and began by asking how he got involved in the first campaign. So, Stephen, you had an important role within the last independence campaign. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what your role was and what you have been up to since then? Yes, I mean, in many ways, it was a dream job. Um, I I got involved in SNP politics, started working for the SNP back in 1994 for Yes Scotland as chief strategist. So that was part of the team working on, on strategy, message, um, the tone of the campaign, that sort of of thing. So uh, an absolute dream job. And what have you been up to since you kind of left the the SNP and since you've not been working with them? Yeah, so um, I sort of a slightly unusual path after leaving politics. I decided to enter religious life. Uh, So your listeners may have heard of the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, uh, religious order. Uh, So I joined the Jesuits for seven years. I I left a few months ago. Uh, So that involved... uh, period of formation, um, studies, the chance to sort of step back from the world a little bit and think, a uh, uh, bit of philosophy, a bit of theology, psychology and such like, and living in Canada, uh, which was a, a really interesting experience. I mean, the, obviously the, the Canadian situation is slightly different from Scotland's, but, um, you know, some parallels, some lessons. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's what I've been doing since. And now back in Edinburgh these last three months and uh, up at Edinburgh University doing some research into New politics, how we do politics in in Scotland, can we do it better? 
So moving on to recent events, what was your view of the Supreme Court ruling on Wednesday? Did that surprise you? Was it what you expected? And where do you think Nicola Sturgeon goes next from here? So I'm no lawyer, but having sort of read the runes of what other what, what actual lawyers were saying, uh, it wasn't a surprise. Um, I think it wasn't really a surprise to anybody. Um, so I thought the First Minister responded really well to the result yesterday. She made the very crucial point you know, well, what then is the democratic path to uh, independence? Uh, and second, and equally importantly, she has sought to involve the broader yes movement in deciding the way forward. And I think those were two really wise and important uh, uh, statements that she made. Um, for the first, I think, um, I mean, I, I'm looking, as I said, at the idea of new politics in Scotland. So looking back at how we did the uh, build up to the Scottish Parliament in the 90s, uh, and there was a thing called the Claim of Right, which you'll remember, which was signed by Labour and Liberal Democrat politicians, which was all about the people of Scotland having the sovereign right to determine the sort of government that they wanted. So I, I think there's a, you, you might call it Claim of Right unionism, uh, people who don't support independence, but they believe that, that Scotland has the right to decide its, its future. So I think it's very wise for the SNP to be seeking to build a coalition for the ability to, to choose uh, and, and reaching out, as I think the First Minister is trying to do, to those people uh, in Civic Scotland and the other political parties who believe in this fundamental right, uh, we, we should have the ability to choose the sort of uh, constitutional future we want, whether that's independence or indeed whether it's not independence. Uh, we, as Yes supporters, have to be open to the people of Scotland choosing the union, uh, you know, so that's the first point. I mean, the second point would be, um, I think the SNP's special conference gives us the opportunity to think, uh, pause, talk to each other, listen to each other. Uh, I think there are some important questions we should be asking as part of the process. You know, this, this is a really important decision. If we get this wrong, uh, it will have consequences, not just for our generation of Yes supporters, but for generations to come. Uh, so this is, this is a big decision. And it's right that we involve the wider movement. I think the First Minister's right. So the sort of questions I think we should be asking ourselves, you know, the first one is, is this the right ground to be fighting this battle on? Uh, for me, the, the primary rule of election campaigning is uh, he or she who decide, determines, uh, decides what the election is about is most likely to win the election. If, if you're fighting the election on your ground, you're more likely to win it. Uh, and I think we should be asking ourselves, is this going to be our ground, a Westminster election dominated by UK issues, people voting to choose who's the Prime Minister of the UK, and we are trying to talk into that um, about independence. It's also uh, an electorate that doesn't include 16 and 17-year-olds, it doesn't include European citizens, so it's not the most yes-friendly uh, franchise. Uh, so I think there are serious questions to ask about, is this the right ground to be fighting on? Uh, so, the, I mean, the first minister yesterday was talking about um, we actually, you know, we, we we have to at some point win fifty percent of the vote. Uh, we have to run this race, so to speak. Uh, but is running it at a UK general election essentially us running uphill while everybody else is running in the flat? Uh, so that's a good question we should be asking ourselves. And the second question that flows from that is, well, what are the other opportunities? Uh, what, what, what other choices might we make? And I've heard people say that, you know, the Scottish election could be another option. Um, you know, 
There's also change going to be coming in terms of a potential Labour government. I mean, that will, will shift uh, things a little bit as well. Uh, there's, there's likely, with a Labour government, to be another Scotland Act, uh, Scotland Bill. Uh, so do we have opportunities to be pushing uh, Labour's proposals a, a little bit further so that you know the, the next Scotland Bill contains the right of Scotland to choose its, its, its constitutional future? So is this the right ground? Are there other opportunities? And then another question I would ask is, would we get the outcome from a general election as plebiscite that we think we are? I, I suppose the first question would be, well, what, what outcome do we want from this vote? Is it just to ramp up the political pressure to then get a referendum uh, in the future, in which case make that the focus of the vote? If it is genuinely to get a mandate for independence, the question we have to ask ourselves is, will people accept that mandate? Um, you know, a really important thing for the movement is not just, you know, winning a vote, it's actually also becoming an independent country. Uh, so I think we have to do it in a way that maximises our likelihood of recognition, uh, of getting into the EU. Um, and for me, that, that, that means we have to have a constitutional path. We have to have a path which in some way is, is not going against the UK, but is in some way working with the UK. And, and that's not easy. I mean, I appreciate that. Um, so these, that's another good question we should be asking ourselves. You know, will it, get, will it deliver the outcome that we, we think it will? And a final question we should be asking ourselves, I think, is, I mean, I, I left working uh, in politics at the point where the Yes movement was still talking about this idea of, you know, moving forward in the back of 60%, you know, 55, 60% of people supporting independence, independence being the settled will. Uh, and I'm really attracted to a process that is about building as much as we can to that 60%, a process that is unifying. And so for me, yet another campaign, which is about a block of 50% knocking their heads against another block of 50%, that is not going to get us to the place where we are moving forward as a country. So the process of how we become independent will be crucially important in terms of the sort of independent country we are. And so if we can move forward as much as possible in a way that is unifying, in a way that is not alienating our closest neighbour and biggest friend, you know, England. So can, can we find a way of making this process one that is less conflictual and more unifying? And if we think that is something worth doing, is that then yet another election campaign? So I don't have the answers to all these questions, but I think these are good questions to be asking. You spoke in Glasgow at an event on Scotland's constitutional future on Tuesday. And like you're saying here, you indicated that a pause might not be the worst thing for the First Minister. So do you think that the fact we're not going to see a referendum in 2023 might be a bit of a blessing in disguise for the First Minister? So, you know, winning independence is, you know, shouldn't be a marathon. But equally, I don't think it needs to be a sprint. Uh you know, in your, in your readership area, the, there's some great middle distance runners. So perhaps, you know, viewing this as a, a middle distance race is is a good way of thinking about it. Um, so I don't think it's just an opportunity for the SNP and, and the First Minister. I think this is an opportunity for all of us. Um, are we happy with the way this debate is taking place? And I think most people would say, no, we're not. It's become a wee bit too binary. It's become a wee bit too divisive. We can do this in a better way. So I think the pause enables us to take a bit of a step back, all of us, and actually think, what, what do we want to achieve uh, from this debate? And I think most of us would like to find a way forward that unifies. 
Uh, I, I remember when I started working in politics and that the you know, politics is all about div- divisive lines. It's what's, what's what differentiates me from my opponent. And so whenever the Labour Party or the Tories would put out a press release, my immediate response would be, what do I disagree with it about? How, how can I, uh, you know, send out my own press release saying that this is wrong? And, you know, uh, so there's a way of seeing the world which is focused on what divides us. And one of the great lessons for me of these past few years in, in the, the formation I've done is that you can actually also start from a different point, which is seeing what unites us. And I think in the constitutional debate, there's actually much more that unites us. Independence and union are not two opposites. They are different. They are different ends of the scale. But, you know, as a, as a yes supporter, I don't want Scotland to sort of be, you know, like North Korea and sort of stuck out there on its own completely. I want Scotland to be an independent country in relationship with the rest of the UK and in relationship with the EU. And so the question becomes about the degree of independence and also the degree of relationship or union. And so I think the, I, I mean, I was encouraged also by Anna Sarwar's response yesterday. I think Anna Sarwar uh, and, and Nicholas Sturgeon, the two of them responded in a very uh, thoughtful way. Um, and I think that points us towards a sort of ground that we can be moving into, which is what degree of more independence can do we do we believe is the common is, is the settled will of the people of Scotland? Uh, I, I think people in Scotland want substantially more independence, but they also want a degree of relationship with the rest of the UK. And if we, we have the conversation in that area, I think we begin to go on a different journey. And I think it's a journey that we can walk together, not as two 50-50s facing off against each other but as the the 60%, the 70% uh, united. And for me as a yes supporter, independent supporter, that might mean me not getting everything I want straight away. So I might have to take two or three steps. Uh, And the people of Scotland may not not want to take all those two or three steps. Um, But I I think if we get into the mindset of moving forward together, uh, that will be a good place for us to get into. And so the pause, yes, absolutely. It stops us from having yet another binary fight and allows us to begin to move into a different space. So if you were to have one major piece of advice for the First Minister and I suppose her strategists who want to see another referendum, as someone who was the chief strategist in the last referendum, what would that piece of advice be? So I I think she's made really good choices. I think the choice to open this up to the wider party movement is a good one. My additional piece of advice is that our friends and allies also who are not part of the Yes movement, people who are currently no voters, people who are unionists, uh, who are not a million miles away from from her, from us uh, on some issues. So I, I would encourage her to reach out beyond the Yes movement. Reach out in particular around this issue of you know, well, what is the, the path forward um, and, and see what we can do there. That was Stephen Noon there in reflective mood. He's had a very interesting journey as well since 2014 with his time with the Jesuits and in Canada. And whether that's what's um, informing his thoughts now, he wants to reach out to a lot more people. He wants to speak to unionists. Um, and I was pleased to hear that he doesn't think North Korea should be the template for Scottish independence. But um, I thought the general election um, section of that interview was very interesting. Um, he, he seemed quite critical of the idea that perhaps the country really does not want to be fighting a general election with so much else going on. Uh, he likened it to um, running uphill 
while others might be running on the flat. Justin, what did you think about his his tone on the, the general election campaign idea? Well, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting the way Stephen talked about this idea of consensus building. I suppose one of the problems we've seen since 2014 is that a lot of people will become quite stuck in their ways and it's difficult for either side to win anyone over. And Nicola Sturgeon's plan to fight a referendum, sorry, to fight a election on the issue of independence alone is, is going to be quite tricky in that regard. You know, her approach would be that if the yes side gets more than 50%, that is a mandate for independence. But say we have a scenario where the SNP get 46%, the Greens get 4% and say groups like Alaba get 1 or 2%. Even if there's a yes majority, clearly the UK government is not going to take 51, 52% of the vote in the general election, say in a turnout of 60, 65% and say, great, you can be independent now. So it's not going to work. So it's one of those things, if Scotland wants to be independent, it's going to have need to have a proper majority for that to work. And it's going to need to be seen as, I suppose, a sort of settled will. I suppose that also applies the other way for the unionists. You know, if they want independence to go away, they're going to need to sort of bite into this sizable SNP vote at the moment. So I thought it was quite interesting that Stephen's approach seems to look more at this idea of compromise and consensus where there are clearly things that 60-70% of Scotland believe. How do you find a path and how do you find a way to get to that? One of the concerns might be is that either side of the debate is pretty entrenched at the moment. Yeah, um, on, on that, he's talking about the 50 percent knocking heads against the other 50 percent constantly and and then um, needn't fight on terms that you will win on like if everyone else is fighting the election on i mean let's who knows what we no one knows what's going to happen next week to be honest right now but the cost of living crisis bills uh, the economy i mean everyone everyone is going to be thinking about that and trying to select a uk prime minister to deal with it it's it's going to squeeze independence and it will become a very separate scottish issue so it how it translates across is going to be very difficult and in that there was the wider idea about the tone then rachel you were in parliament um in hollywood with me the other day as well and listening to the way that people are responding to all of this kind of thing what do you what do you think the signs are from the snp side or from campaigners side about the tone the sort of the language that's that's currently surrounding the the debate. The language is going to be very interesting, I think, going forward, because I think if you look back to 2014, some of the more ugly side of the debate, if you want to put it that way, perhaps came from people maybe using words or language that perhaps wasn't particularly savoury. Um, I think one thing that we could maybe sort of look at was um, Stuart MacDonald. Now, he's a MP for Glasgow South. After the verdict got made, he posted a fairly lengthy thread on Twitter about his thoughts and one of the things was the wording and things that, um, that we can sort of do about that. So one of the things he said was Scotland is not a colony and our people are not oppressed. And I think that's quite interesting, too, because um, I know some campaigners that I've been speaking to wanted to use the word colony, for example. Um, and this is somebody who who's high up in the SNP saying no, we need to move away from that kind of language. Because it, 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 he also said that the campaign's not a liberation struggle. I think that's potentially quite important to remember that it is a democratic sort of process and it's a decision that needs to be taken in that sort of mindset, not in a liberational re, liberation of a colony settled uh, sort of mindset, isn't it? Yeah, and you heard the, the Supreme Court talked about that kind of international law angle as well. Say, well, they don't think Scotland is an oppressed country or is a colony, and 
other countries were brought in along that conversation like Kosovo. And it's quite jarring to hear Scotland compared like that to prove the point that Scotland is is, in, in, is actually absolutely nothing like Kosovo. Um, that it's the kind of thing that middle ground people who Nicola Sturgeon wants to win over won't like to hear. Um, but even if Nicola Sturgeon leads um, a shiny example um, from from the front like that, what do we what do we see at the other you know on the ground though? I mean, some people will be aware that uh, some campaigners they're planning a march on BBC headquarters. You know, it, it, is that I mean, we remember in twenty fourteen um, campaign that kind of thing happening, and it was all very culture war, anti-media kind of stuff. I mean, there's not really any way of stopping that, is there? Yeah, I think those on the middle ground who who are undecided, I don't think are going to be persuaded either way on independence or unionism by sort of acts like that, if that makes sense. And when I've been going and speaking to independence campaigners, there are some who are maybe a bit more like that. And there are those who, who, who can have like a really sort of good argument about it. I feel like those are the people... And those are the conversations that are going to sway people either way in this debate, not not things like these marches. Well, I mean, we're talking about campaigners here, but we've we've we have been listening to them too. It's not just the strategists that need to step up. Step up, obviously. Campaigners they'll set a big role in setting the tone. So we caught up with some of the the campaigners outside the Scottish Parliament just after the, the Supreme Court verdict. There was a very big rally. Um, outside the Parliament building, flags everywhere. There was lots of speakers across the um, uh, political divide, if not the constitutional divide. People like um, Colin Fox from the Socialists, and of course Nicola Sturgeon as well, all speaking. Um, Justin took the mic out and had a wee chat with some of the the people who were there. Um, some interesting splits of opinion too on on the strategy in their own camp. So here's a, here's a flavour of the the thoughts. Um, on the First Minister's next steps. So I'm outside Holyrood with pro-independence campaigners at the rally following the Supreme Court ruling. Andrew, what do you feel about the result and what do you think comes next? Uh, Well, I think everyone's disappointed in the result. We'd hoped for a positive verdict from the Supreme Court. However, I don't think anybody is particularly surprised at the judgment and the circumstances. And I think what we're seeing is that today it is mobilising and activating uh, the the Yes movement, the independence movement, in a way that perhaps hasn't been the case for a little while. Uh, So we're seeing today, we're seeing rallies at 15 different locations across Scotland simultaneously. And we're also seeing six rallies across Europe in Berlin, in Rome, in Paris, in Munich and in Denmark. Uh, and in Amsterdam Uh, and so I think we're seeing the movement in Scotland is being activated by the decision today and we're seeing our friends in Europe supporting that activism and that energy that's coming back into the campaign. Do you still have confidence in Nicola Sturgeon and the de facto referendum plan? I've spoken to some other people here who just don't believe her heart's in it anymore, who don't believe she's committed but do you still think she's the right person to lead Scotland to a referendum? I certainly do. I know that the First Minister has been campaigning for independence since before she was 16 years of age and she's not the kind of person to let a job go like that. Uh, I think think the strategy that we're seeing at the moment has been thought of and has been considered. I can see across the SNP a number of party members supporting the approach. Uh, And so, yes, I think that we can see that the First Minister, in terms of her hard work and in terms of her persistence, she's outlived, what, four or five Prime Ministers already? So I think she's, she's not for quitting, she's not for turning. I think we'll see the First Minister carry this job out and I think we will see a plebiscite uh, election in the next 12 to, in the next period. Meryl is also here. She is Dutch but has been following the independence movement for a number of years now. What, what did you make of the result today and what do you think happens next going forward? 
Great. So I've been working with several yes groups spread across the Lothian region. And something I've really been noticing is that anyone I speak to always mentions that whatever is happening currently, democracy is the core issue here for people. They feel that they don't have a voice and they feel that that is the level of frustration that's building up. Um, everyone I know has been kind of looking out for today to see if democracy... Well, it's a question of democracy, isn't it? It's almost kind of symbolic, kind of this court case, at least for the people I've been working with. And to get a no on a day as today really kind of shows, um, the mobilizing today shows how important democracy is for people. And I would say this is definitely an issue of democracy less than nationalism. You sound like you very much agree with what Nicola Sturgeon said today about, you know, accusing the UK government of denying democracy. Do you think the current UK government strategy is sustainable? And do you think they can continue to not advocate for a referendum or do you think at some point they need to give in to Nicola Sturgeon's demands? I think that whatever is happening, whatever way you want to kind of view it, the situation is kind of building up to becoming unsustainable, in my opinion at least. People are getting a level of frustration and I'm wondering what other solution than a referendum there might be. Do you still have confidence in Nicola Sturgeon? Ooh, I'm not going to comment on that one. Some split opinions there in the first um catch up with some of the, the campaigners as well and and Justin went on to to find some more people uh, later on in the campaign and they had some slightly more strident um, conflicting ideas about whether Nicola Sturgeon is doing the right thing. A referendum's not going to happen um, not while we use the franchise set by the UK government because we know that won't be fair 19, uh, 2014 wasn't fair another one won't be fair we need to have international observers if we're going to have any referendum at all and do it in our terms not in Westminster's terms Margaret, what do you think for today's verdict and what do you think comes next? Just exactly what Izzy said. Very disappointed, but I knew this was coming. And it's a dead loss, really, for Scotland. Do you have faith in Nicholas Dudgeon going forward? Do you think her plan is the right one? No faith at all. I really do think we're needing another leader because she's not an independence leader. And what, what about it? Is it that she's not doing right? What does she need to do more of? Eight years she's did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And this has just finished it today. This has just put the finishing touches to it. Because she actually did this because she knew this was the result. She's not working for Scotland. She's working for Westminster. So do you not think that she's committed to independence? No. No way. No way. There's something. I mean, what, what do you make of that, Rachel? There's um, These are all campaigners for independence, but they've, they've got some pretty split ideas about how to achieve it and where they actually stand right now. There's a bit of a lack of a common goal. The vision that you're sort of seeing and sort of split starting to appear is not going to play in their favour, potentially. Uh, but yeah, very interesting that some are saying, yes, Nicola Sturgeon all the way. Others are saying, no, we need to, she needs to go, which is a, it's very interesting after that, isn't it? But inside Parliament, before that was all happening, you were looking as well at um, First Minister's questions. So Nicola Sturgeon standing up and responding, but Every question that came her way was about, of course, what opposition leaders would always term her day job. Um, so, Justin, I mean, you were you were looking at that too. Um, you pulled together some of these issues, which are all um, on our on our um, politics pages on the P and J and Courier, of course, to go and read. What kind of things is she facing inside the Parliament while people were campaigning for independence outside? Well, to put it simply, it felt yesterday like almost every sort of issue came up. There was health, there was chat earlier in the week that NHS leaders had discussed the creation of a two-tier system in the NHS. So Douglas Ross was pushing the First Minister on, you know, do we have a risk of the NHS being privatised? School teachers were on strike and just hours 
after independence campaigners had been rallying, they were rallying outside Parliament. So schools came up. Douglas Ross used that as a bit of a jibe against the First Minister. Justice came up. Transport came up. The A9 and A96 were both raised. So it very much felt like quite a difficult day for the SNP insofar as the momentum of a possible referendum is gone. That's stalled. We're not going to see this de facto referendum for a couple of years at least. And in the meantime, the SNP have a lot of problems they're going to need to deal with. Obviously, they argue that some of this is almost like with their control. They say it's due to inflation. They blame the UK government for that. But at the same time, it's stuff that is within their remit. It's stuff that they are expected to fix whether they believe they can or not. So, yes, it was very much a day where it seemed like every issue was coming home to roost. And there's a lot of problems the SNP are going to face, especially with a budget coming up in just a few weeks. And that brings us to um, a stushy for another day um, when we all get back to looking at the pounds in our pockets. But I think on, on the topic of the Constitution and where we go next, that's all we've got time for this week. So thanks to Justin Bowie, Rachel Amory, guest Stephen Noon, producer Caroline White, and of course, to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more. But until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed. The Stushy is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following The Stushy today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.